Daniel chapter 6. Of a quick uh, word of prayer, and then we'll go ahead and get started here into everything. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just come to you now. Thank you for the time to be here. We just ask for your blessing upon just the teaching and ask for your time and blessing to be upon the back. Lord, thank you so much for the wonderful week of EBS. And you be the glory and you be the credit for that in your name. Amen. All right, Daniel chapter 6. Daniel is uh, probably one of the most amazing guys in the Bible, without a shadow of a doubt. And he is one of those guys that this book is just so fascinating and so wonderful. And we're going to take a break from Proverbs, what we normally be doing on Sundays, and kind of talk a little bit about Daniel and learn a little bit about what the kids learned about. Now, the thing about Daniel is, if you were going through the Old Testament, and if you were picking out the great guys in the Old Testament, if you are trying to find the all-stars... Daniel would be one of the top ones. You know, a lot of the guys in the Old Testament carry some baggage with them. You know, David was a little bit of a philanderer. David had some bloodlust. Abraham was a liar. Moses had uh, doubts of faith there. But Daniel was a pretty good guy. In fact, so much so that in the book of Ezekiel, when God is picking his righteous people, it's Noah, Job, and Daniel are the three that he picks. So when you think about it from that perspective, that's pretty good. Where God says, Noah, Job, and Daniel, and Ezekiel 14, he goes, those are my righteous ones. When God thinks you're doing a pretty good job, that usually means you're doing a pretty good job. Now, we all know a lot about Daniel, and probably the most famous story we know about is Daniel and the lion's den. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit here today, but that's not the main focus of what we're going to be. But Daniel and the lion's den is the one that we all know about. And, you know, and it's pretty neat here with the decorations. You've got the uh, fiery furnace here with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but you also got the lion's den with Daniel. Well, I do have to pick on one thing about the lion's den, though, because if you've got a chance to look or if you saw in the video, there is the uh, what we call Mr. Bones in there. And uh, first time I took Elias over during VBS week to show him the lion's den, he looked in, saw Mr. Bones, he looked at me, he goes, Daddy, I thought he got out okay. So... <laughs> So thanks, Mark, for screwing up my kids' uh, theology there. really do appreciate that. And one other real quick story about VBS here, too. If you saw in the video clip, you saw my second kid and my third kid uh, go up and start doing the fight thing um, with each other, and we do that at home all the time. We fight and do boxing, et cetera, but we've taught them to do the play fight. But what you didn't see in the rest of the video was literally seconds later, Lydia Carpenter jumped in and started throwing real punches. So... <laughs> So if you want to get on anybody, that was some creative editing there. Cute little Lydia Carpenter is trying to take down the boys. So she, uh, she's a tough little cookie there. So, but Daniel in the lion's den, this is the one we know all about, and this is the one that makes, you know, of, uh, this is Sunday school stories coming to life right here, is Daniel in the lion's den. I distinctly remember at the church I grew up in, the flannel board with Daniel in the lion's den. Everybody knows about this. But for a real quick background here, in Daniel chapter 6, what you have going on, is you have Daniel now serving under the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. Now, we have to stop right there for one quick second, a little bit of background here, and we'll get into some more history here later on. But Daniel serving with the Medes and the Persians is a pretty big deal because Daniel was actually taken captive by the Babylonian Empire. So for the Medes and Persians to still keep this guy is a pretty good compliment towards them. Generally in the Old Testament is when, the, you know, out with the old and with the new. When the Medes and Persians came and defeated Babylon, they're not going to keep any of the Babylonian people. Nevertheless, keep a Babylonian person as actually a Jewish person. This shows how good Daniel was that the Medes and the Persians have elevated him and used him that much. 
Verse 3 of Daniel 6. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Now that is pretty impressive. Now you have to get a little context here. Most scholars believe Daniel is probably about 70 or 80 years old at this time. He is doing so good that the Medes and Persians are thinking of making him number one guy. Now think about that. This is a Jew that was taken captive by the Babylonians, trained by the Babylonians, who now is a servant of the Medes and Persians. And the Medes and Persians says, yeah, I think we're going to use this guy. That's pretty impressive. But let's go on here and see what else. Verse 4. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Now, can people say that about you? I read that verse and I was really convicted. They could find no error or fault in him. Imagine somebody watching your life 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and walking away from this saying, I, I, I can't find one bad thing to say about the guy. That's pretty impressive. You hang him around with me for 10 minutes, you'll have a list, I guarantee it. They're watching Daniel all the time, and they can't find something wrong with him. The New Testament, we call that being blameless. As we like to say out here, Teflon Christianity. Nothing sticks to you. Daniel was so focused and so pure, nothing could be found against him. So what are they going to do? Verse 5, Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. They said, The only way we can trip this guy up is if we do something with his faith. That's the only way we can get him. Now that's actually a pretty good backhanded compliment. The only way we can get Daniel is if we do something with his God. That's the only way we can get him. So what these guys do decide is just pretty simple. They go up to King Darius and they just simply say, hey, for the next 30 days, let's just make a rule that nobody can only pray to you. That's all. Just pray to you, nobody else. King Darius, being the typical guy, the typical male, says, that sounds good. Everything focused on me. I like that. So for the next 30 days, they make this rule. Well, see, here's the thing. These guys knew Daniel well enough to know he's going to break this rule. His faith was so strong that he's going to break this rule. Now, isn't that pretty impressive? They knew how strong this guy's faith was. And, you know, and I kept thinking about this. Is, boy, do people know that about us? Is that the first thing they think of when they hear about us? Is, wow, look at James's faith. I can't find anything bad to say about him. The only way, I mean, look at how strong he is in his walk. I'd love it if people would say that because all glory to God. Truth of the matter is you can usually find stuff to say about us. But Daniel, they couldn't find anything. The only way to trip him up was to do this whole thing of trip him up with his God that he has to pray to Darius, and if he doesn't pray to Darius, he's going to get in trouble. Well, verse 10, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. And these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Now, first off, a couple things about that. Isn't it fascinating? They knew they could get him. They knew they could get him. They knew without a shadow of a doubt that he would go and pray. That's how strong of a man of God he was, and that's how strong his faith was. They knew it. I mean, imagine that if people just knew without a shadow of a doubt, hey, it's Sunday morning, it's 11 o'clock, oh, I know where he's at, he's going to be at church, no question about that. Or you know what, hey, it's early in the morning, I know what he's up, he's up praying right now. If, wouldn't that be amazing if people just knew your faith that so much, that your faith just shined, that they just knew that's where you're going to be. You're going to be at church, you're going to be praying, you're going to be seeking the Lord and going deeper in him. They knew it, that's how they could catch him. 
Well, what happens here with the Daniel and the lion's den is we know the rest of the story. Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den. God miraculously saves him, keeps the lions from getting him. And then as a turnaround point of the story, Daniel gets to come out, and the people that threw him in, they get tossed into the lion's den. Well, we all know the story. But there's something about this phrase that really hit me. Look right here in verse 10. Look at this last part again. And prayed and gave thanks before his God, as this was his custom since early days. That phrase keeps hitting me. As was his custom since early days. See, Daniel at this point was probably 70, 80 years old. How could he survive the lion's den? He could survive the lion's den because he had seven or eight decades of walking with the Lord. He had decades of being strong in prayer, decades of being strong in his faith. Since his early days, he was ready for these type of events because God was already with him and walking with him. So when I saw that phrase, since his early days, let's talk about that. Turn, if you will, back now to Daniel chapter 1. Let's talk about the early days here of Daniel. We know what happens in the lion's den. We know what type of man he is at 70, 80 years old. What type of man was he when he was a young man? This is what sets the scene for the book of Daniel. Now, if you're like most people, you see verse 1 of Daniel 1, and you're already bored. In the third year of the reign of Jochim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. You start hearing that stuff, and your mind just wanders. Real quick history lesson here. Judah, the kingdom, was taken over in 586 B.C. by Babylon. So in 586 B.C., Babylon comes in, defeats Jerusalem, and what they do is they take a bunch of prisoners back to Jerusalem. And Daniel was one of them. But they just don't take any prisoners. They only take the best. Verse 3. Then the king instructed Asphanas, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans is another word for the Babylonians. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. They didn't just want any prisoners. They wanted the cream of the crop. And Daniel was one of the cream of the crop. Look at the description in verse 4. Young man. How young? Most people believe maybe uh, 14, 15 years old. Pretty young. Pretty young to be taken. And not just taken prisoner. You're taken prisoner. You're good looking, gifted in all wisdom. But you're going to be taken prisoner and be brainwashed into the Babylonian society. So you've got to think from a 14, 15 year old perspective. They take you from your land that you know. Probably your parents, your siblings didn't make it. There's no reason to keep the other ones. We're only going to take the good ones. We'll take care of the rest ourselves. So you're taken. No friends, no family. You're going to a totally different culture. <clears throat> and as you get there, they're going to teach you the literature of the Babylonians. They're going to teach you the language of the Babylonians. For three years, you're going to Babylonian college and being brainwashed. Chuck Swindoll, in his commentary on Daniel, calls it total indoctrination. They wanted you to think like a Babylonian, act like a Babylonian, speak like a Babylonian. You were Babylonian through and through. Your religion is gone, your life is gone, your family is gone, your speech is gone. And even going one step further, did you catch this in verse 6? Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Arzia. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now we all know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but those were their Babylonian names. See, they just didn't take them captive. They changed their name. Now, you may think, okay, what's the big deal? 
in our society today. You know, um, my name is James. My family calls me Jamie. Some people that don't know me well, they call me Jim. Some people call me James. What's the big deal? Well, back during Jewish time, your name was not just a name. It meant something. Daniel's name meant God is my judge. These names meant something. Hananiah, God has favored. Mishael, who is what God is. And Azariah, Jehovah has helped. So by stripping them of their names, they're really stripping them of their culture, their identity, and their religion. So here's Daniel, 14, 15 years old. He's no longer a Jew. The Babylonians don't even think that way. You act like a Babylonian. You speak like a Babylonian. You learn Babylonians' customs and cultures. Your name is now Babylonian. And you know what? I don't want to add too much to the Bible, but if you catch here, look at verse 3. The master of the eunuchs is what takes them. And then in verse 7, the master of the chief of the eunuchs is what gives them names. And in verse 8, it's the eunuchs taking care of them. You don't want to add too much to the Bible, but a lot of people believe that Daniel also had to become a eunuch. Because if you think about it from this perspective, first off, they don't want a Jewish guy meeting Babylonian women and having half Jewish, half Babylonian kids. No, no, no. So they possibly made them eunuchs too. So stripped them of everything. So here's a 14, 15-year-old kid that lost his religion, his heritage, his customs, his friends, his family, you know, possibly now a eunuch, everything, gone. Now that's pretty impressive to think that 70, 80 years later he's still doing good because you know what? A lot of us wouldn't make it through that. But here's the key verse in the whole book of Daniel, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. See? At 14, 15 years old, with all this stuff happening, total indoctrination going on with the Babylonians, he says he purposed in his heart he would not defile himself. He made a choice at the age of 14 or 15 that God would be number one and he would in no way whatsoever defile himself. That is what kept him going for the next seven or eight decades. That is what got him taken care of in the lion's den because he made a choice as a young man. He purposed in his heart he would not defile himself. See, here's the thing. So often when you look at society today, when kids reach the age of 13, 14, 15, we almost give them a green light to be bad, don't we? Oh, they're just teenagers. Oh, that's just how they act. That's just what they do. Well, we don't know for sure how old Daniel was, but we know he was a young man, and that young man purposes it in his heart not to defile himself. See, we can make good choices no matter how old we are. See, what happens is so often we give that green light of, oh, that's just the way they are. They're 18, they think they know everything. Oh, they're in their early 20s, they'll figure it out. Well, that probably will figure it out the hard way. But you know what? If you purpose in your heart when you're younger, verse 7, excuse me, verse 8, to not defile yourself, things will go a whole lot better. See, and it's not just a lesson for the youth, it's also a lesson for us as adults. Because you know what? We don't live in Babylon, but our world is a Babylon. Just like Babylon wanted you to think like a Babylonian, talk like a Babylonian, act like a Babylonian, be a Babylonian in every way whatsoever, don't even mention the Jewish part of it, doesn't the world want you to do the same way? The world wants you to act like the world, talk like the world, think like the world, be like the world. But yet, we're called to be separated. See, the Bible uses this term saint. And when we hear that, hear that word saint, we think of, oh, the super-Christians. Paul says we're all saints. Saint just means set apart. God says, I've set you apart from the world, to be different, to act different, to think different. We were just talking last Wednesday, and one of the things was, is nowadays, you can't really tell the Christians from the non-Christians. People that claim to be Christians, they talk just like the world. 
They act just like the world. They live just like the world. They think just like the world. They speak just like the world. And you stop and you say, wait a second, we're supposed to be separated. And I don't mean separated in the sense of don't touch me, I'm a believer, but separated in the sense that our lifestyle is different because why? Verse 8, we purpose in our heart to not defile ourselves with the world. Now, question comes up. Simple question to the youth. Have you made that decision that no matter how old you are or how young you are, that you have not going to defile yourself with the world? You will live a strong, godly Christian life in everything you do and say and not let the world bring you down because the world wants to pull you down. They want to pull you down in lifestyle and actions and dress and speech and everything. They want to. But what about for us as adults? We get pulled down too, don't we? We go into work and you've got to act like work. That's the way they do it. You know, that's the way he is. So if you want to talk to him, you've got to talk like the way he does. Or you know what, that's just the way work is. That's the way it is. No, it's not. We can purpose in our heart to not defile ourselves. Well, yeah, but then we're going to be the outcasts. We're going to be the strange ones. You bet we are. We're separated. The Bible calls us a peculiar people. <laughs> we are strange. Some of the strangest people I've ever met are Christians. We are weird. But the point of it is, we're so weird because we think the standards of the world is normal. I'll do counseling with couples, and they'll be yelling and screaming at each other, and they think that's just normal communication. You'll see the dad cussing at their kids, and they just think that's normal communication. That's not normal. It may be normal to the Babylonian world, but God has separated us to say, do not defile yourselves in that way or in those actions. But you know what the thing is? It takes a lot of effort to do that. This Daniel, at the age of 14, 15, whatever it is, had pretty strong convictions to say, I'm not going to give in. Now, how could he do that? Because the Lord was with him. Same Lord's with us today. The same Holy Spirit's with us today. Are we willing to stand and fight? Turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. See, Daniel was taken prisoner. The enemy force destroyed his town, destroyed his home, destroyed his family, destroyed everything. He knew it was a war. Problem is, with us as Christians today, we don't realize we're in a battle every day of our lives. We don't get it. We just walk out and we think everything's happy-dory, hunky-dory. It's not. There's a battle going on to destroy us. The enemy wants to pull us down. John 10.10 says the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why in Ephesians 6, Paul says, get your armor on. Look at verse 10 of Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. See, look at verse 13. Having done all, to stand. A lot of us don't work at it. Let's just be honest. We haven't done all. Oh, we think we have. We think we've really tried hard. But we really haven't. I've seen it in my own personal life. I've seen it in the counseling I do with couples. They'll come in and they talk about their communication and how it will just lead to fight after fight after fight. Words are being said they shouldn't be said. The kids are seeing things they couldn't, shouldn't see. So what happens is you tell them, hey, let's go through this. Let's talk about communication. Let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Talk about this. And so you run into them the next time, and I'll talk to the husband. I'll say, hey, how's it going? Well, it's going okay. 
You know, a lot of times she's real bitter and sarcastic and nagging on the way she says something. Though the first time she said something, I just let it go. Good, good job. But the second time she said something, I had enough. Oh, come on. Have you done all you can to stand? Well, I've done everything I could. I let the first one go. Well, let's let the second one go and the third one go and the fourth one go. Same thing happens at work, right? Well, I work with this guy. And you already got yourself all decided before you get to work it's going to be a bad day. He's going to say something and you're going to say something or you know it's just going to be bad. You already know. You got it all figured out. Have you done all you can to stand in the truth and what's right? See, Daniel could have really easily just thrown the towel in. God, you know I was a good Jewish boy. You know I went to temple. You know I did everything I was supposed to do. But look at this. The Babylonians came. They killed my family. They changed my name. They took everything from me. They took everything from me. I can't fight this anymore. God, you understand, don't you? No, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not be defiled. He purposed in his heart. And as far as I know, no one is going to kidnap you today, take you to a foreign country, and indoctrinate you in a foreign heathen culture. No one's threatening to throw you in the lion's den. No one's threatening me. But yet we give up so quickly, don't we? Have we done all we can to stand? Verse 13, having done all in the evil day and having done all to stand. goes one step further in the book of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Paul says, endure hardships as a soldier. Paul says it's a fight. Be prepared for that fight and realize when you get into a fight, somebody's trying to hurt you. The enemy is trying to hurt you. The enemy is trying to pull you down and we have to purpose in our heart to not defile ourselves. But here's the key to this whole thing. The reason Daniel could purpose in his heart to not defile himself is because he chose to. He wanted to. He wanted things to be different. He didn't want to be pulled down by the Babylonian culture. He made that choice himself. And you have to make that same choice today, too, just like I do. You have to decide that this is important enough to me that I'm not going to defile myself in my life. If there's things I'm looking at I shouldn't be looking at, I'm not going to watch them. I'm not going to look at them. If there's things I'm hearing, I'm not going to do it. If there's things I'm saying, I'm not going to do it. Now, you can't do this through your own power and strength. The Bible makes that clear. It's through the strength of the Lord. But you have to make a choice that you want to do this. And once you make that choice, you have to be prepared for the lion's dens of life that are going to be thrown at you. Because it's not going to be easy. You know, we announced this um, Ridge 5K thing coming up here. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if you know, but I serve over there at the Ridge, and I'm on, on the board over there with Ron and Kathy. And back in March, when they first started planning this 5K thing, they said, hey, you know, to really show support for this, they looked at all of us board members, and they said, hey, we'd like it if the board members would participate in this 5K. Now, I'm the youngest board member by probably 15, 20 years. And so they all looked and said, we ain't doing it. So they all looked at me and I said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I ran cross country in high school. I said, okay, I'd like to, I need to get back in shape, etc. So this was in March and this 5K is coming up in July. So finally in, in May, I decided I got to start doing something now so I don't die at the end of July. And uh, Adam that comes out here at church had been wanting to do something too, so we got together and we started running and we started training and we were training here for a couple months, etc. Well, long story short, so Friday, I usually try to do the runs in the morning because that's when the coolest and works the best. Well, VBS is going on, so I couldn't have a run in the morning, so I had to go out at night. Friday is the long day. So this last Friday, I had to go out and run six miles. So it's 8.30 at night, I'm getting ready to go out and, and go for a run. Now, if you remember anything from Friday night, what happened about 9.30? Horrible 
thunderstorms started coming through. Well, first off, six miles is a long ways for me. So about two miles into this run, I'm thinking, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. And second off, who cares about the ridge and Ron and Kathy Tiarina? Because I just want to go home. Now, just joking about that. But about four miles into it, the sky is it's lightning. It is complete dark out. And I am thinking, this is really <coughs> dumb. This is really, really dumb. But yet you make that commitment and your purpose in your heart to say this is what I'm going to do no matter how stupid I am. This is what we're going to do. And you have to get back. you got to get back home. So I'll tell you right now, my wife loves me, but she would not have come out and got me. There could have been a tornado touching down and she would have said, tough luck, this is your choice. So the point of it is, sometimes you find yourself in the middle of a situation and you got to say, Lord, it's you and me. And, you know, and here it is, it's, it's dark, it's lightning, there's all this type of stuff. I have never accepted Christ so many times in my life that night. I just kept praying the sinner's prayer again and again and again. Now, Daniel, though, he purposed in his heart he was not going to be defiled. I purposed in my heart that I'm going to try to run this thing. Well, you know, that's something simple. It may be you purpose in your heart, you know what, I'm not going to snap at my wife so much. I purpose in my heart I'm going to try to get up in the morning and have a time with the Lord. I purpose in my heart that, you know what, there's that thing, and I know I shouldn't watch it, I shouldn't see it, so I'm not going to. Now, you can purpose in your heart as much as you want, but it's you and the Lord that have to do it. If you do it by your own strength, if you do it by your own might, it's not going to work. Daniel did not survive the lion's den by himself. The Bible says the Lord shut the mouths of the lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not survive the fiery furnace by themselves. When they went into the fiery furnace, they said there was a fourth man with the appearance of the Son of Man. Jesus was with them. So you can purpose all you want. If we could turn this into a positive, think good thing, and what's that one thing you want to change in life, and write it down and go home and do it. Oh, you may succeed for a day or two or maybe a week or so, but your flesh can't do it. You purpose in your heart what you want, and what I should say what the Lord wants. You choose not to defile yourself because Babylon is all around you. It wants to pull you down. It wants to totally indoctrinate you into everything. And you have to decide, I don't want to be defiled by this world. So, Lord, I purpose in my heart, like Daniel did, to not defile myself. That's why at 70 or 80, Daniel was able to stand the lion's den because at an early age, as it says in Daniel 6, what did he do at an early age? He made a choice to be focused on the Lord, and he made that choice, and he stuck with it. And I encourage you to do that today. It's to say, Lord, I choose to not defile myself with this world because this world just wants to bring me down. I choose to live for you and all that I say and all that I do. That's what we learn from the book of Daniel. Yeah, there's great stories in there. Fiery furnace, lion's den. There's great chapters on prophecy. It's an amazing book. But it all comes down to verse 8 of chapter 1. He said, I'm not going to let Babylon get me. And because of that, he was able to go out and live that victorious life for the Lord through years and years and years. Glenn, if you want to come up here for the final song. just want to say a big thanks. So often we, I think the first meeting for VBS is back in February. So months of preparation and prayer. Thank you for everybody that served. Thank you to everybody that donated. Thank you to everybody that just prayed, helped do rides, whatever capacity we are just very thankful for everything. And so often we pray and pray and we forget to say,